You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we're still waiting for our nicknames from Donald Trump. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. Perhaps on this episode, because in our, our pre-recording meeting, my co-host said, we're going to get canceled on all fronts this episode. And I asked, how is that different from any other episode? So maybe I'm declaring it for this episode. Maybe I'm declaring it for all episodes. I don't know. You decide. Who is my co-host? Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Yeah, it finally feels like fall here. Uh, I, I, I actually bought some of those fake logs and, uh, and, and burned some logs last night by the fire watching my Michigan Wolverines uh, trounce on uh, Rutgers. So it's uh, it's uh, California fall, man. I'm wearing a hoodie because it's uh, getting in the 50s at night, but I'm still going to the beach and uh, and doing my uh, I, I walked a two mile walk with uh, with my one of my dogs uh, up and down the strand uh, yesterday. And it was really it was really nice. There was like a so run going on. Little... I didn't even realize. So I got there and like there was all these people running around. It's like, oh, man, <laughs> this is gonna be exciting for my dog. While I'm trying to train to be around crowds, but it, it worked out. Everyone was having a good time. So it uh, it was it's because of the weather. It feels like fall, not because we fell back. <laughs> not because we fell back. No, it's not because of that. It's uh, it was just the weather because it felt it yesterday. I thought I thought the uh, the falling back was going to be over. This is the <laughs> last year of it, isn't it? I hope so. That, that they keep saying that. Hasn't, haven't they been saying that since we were in high school? No, they passed the law last year. Remember, we discussed it on the yeah, show. Yeah, they did, but didn't it have to have one other thing had to happen, and uh, that thing hasn't happened yet? But hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, and we're not going to talk about college football because uh, my clubs and Tigers. That was one of the most embarrassing performances <laughs> I've ever seen. And it, what, what wait, makes you it don't worse, think? William? Wait, wait. You watch Michigan lose to Appalachian State? <laughs> no, this is worse. Oh, oh, oh man. I have more respect for App State than I do for Notre Dame, and that's the worst thing about this. I hate now, Notre Dame. Who side do you think I'm on? Oh, man. But so you must hate it, too, that now we have to hear Notre Dame say how good they I are. I know. They're going to never shut up about it. Meanwhile, they're the going to lose probably the rest of the se- their games this season, or at least uh, at least they're going to lose two more games this season for sure. And whatever bowl game they're going to go to, uh, they're going to lose. So this is this is how Notre Dame plays. Yep. And this is what Clemson does. They lose games they shouldn't, which fortunately for them, so many other teams are losing, right? Georgia law. No, Georgia beat Tennessee. Alabama yeah. lost. So yeah. I don't even I didn't even look at the rankings this morning. But the only thing keeping us alive either. in the national championship hunt is that Michigan, Michigan. Come on. Yeah, no. It, right now, it should be Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State in the 14 playoff. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. We'll, we may have to play Ohio State uh, twice, right? There's all these yeah. chess moves where uh, Michigan gets to play Ohio State twice, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a little more sports when we go into life on the midside because there's there's a couple of farcical things with some athletes this week. 
but we'll move on from sports in a minute. And, and the sports talk here isn't going to be about the games itself. It's going to be what's going on outside the games. So let's get into that in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including, or perhaps most of all, affirmations. To start with, William, I wanted to talk to you about one of the kings of farce in our culture, Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kyrie Irving is, of course, an NBA superstar and i'm okay with using the phrase superstar because he is very talented but psychologically the guy is a mess i mean let's let's put it this way he's a flat earther right that's one of those things where i'm not even going to entertain discussing the validity of it or not you know what else i'm not going to entertain discussing the validity of anti-semitism and black israelites (laughs) (laughs) i put it in the same category i guess i'm spoiling the story but get into it well, the story here is Kyrie did a Kyrie thing. And this guy, he's so bad psychologically that it's, he's impossible to build a team around because he just always, sort of like Kanye, right? He always has to have an opinion on something and he always has to share things and say things that aren't related. Now, apparently what he did was he shared a link to like a documentary and I put the, the term documentary in, in air quotes, scare quotes, whatever you want to say, because I haven't watched it. But apparently within it, it is some commentary on Judaism and Jewish people that is considered to be anti-Semitism. Again, I'm, I'm framing it in this way because... Because um, the content doesn't matter, it. right? This is, uh, well, the, this is him saying something that's not popular, not acceptable right. in, the, in, the, in the Church of Woke. Right, exactly. Be, and, and we haven't seen it firsthand. It's just we know the reaction to it, right? And what happened because of this quote, deeply disturbing anti-Semitic hate, and that's a quote from his employer, the Brooklyn Nets, is they suspended him for five games. And this is where we get into the farce, William. At what point are we going to start not signing players to professional sports teams because of the beliefs they hold and specifically because the beliefs they hold are I tried unpopular. I tried to read into this other than him saying some stuff about black israelites right like the you know there's these black people that believe that they're the true jews um and he seems like he holds those beliefs what started all this was him just retweeting a a, a link to this documentary right yes. that seems to be what 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 started this whole thing I mean, Justin, yes. we've talked about well, this. No, on- no, what really, hold on. What really started it is this is a response to the Kanye thing, because Kanye was the one talking about the black Israelites thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, yeah. And this is all shaking down from that, right? Yes. I guess, I guess what this boils down to is, Justin, what, what, and, and you know, we've talked a little bit about this uh, on the show. When do we get the ideological test? Like, can, can someone just give it to me so I know what I'm allowed to, what beliefs I'm allowed to talk about and not allowed to talk about? so I can be employed in this country? Like, can I just get that, like, printed out for me? Or is that, like, too autistic for me to ask for? 
I mean, I think they would say that that's too autistic for you to ask for, and I think they would cancel you for saying it's too autistic because that's not fair <laughs> to autistic people. But we know, William, we know this isn't really about no, no, no. Uh, being pure. This is really about just having an excuse to hold power over people, right? Yeah. And And just like Kanye... Kyrie, and I want to be clear, I like Kyrie even less than Kanye. I actually do not like Kyrie because of his history with the the Boston Celtics and what he did to a team where he just quit on them in the postseason. Uh, Like Kyrie, I mean, like Kanye, though, he's someone they've been looking to cancel for a long time. And because this angle was successful, and I say successful because as we talked about, Kanye is uncancelable. But they lost him a, lo- a whole bunch of money, right? So because this was successful with Kanye, they're now trying it with Kyrie. And, and, and here's the difference to me. With Kanye, he is a public figure who, when you're making art, ideas are relevant to the art you're making. Yeah. Whereas with, with Kanye West, not with Kanye, with Kyrie Irving, how is this relevant to what he does professionally? That's How is great, his ability to play question. basketball relevant to this? That's a good question. And then I, I, I know that we shouldn't be pointing this out, but you know, this is the same NBA that's all for China, right? Has uh, what's his name apologize in Chinese to the Chinese, uh, to the Chinese? I don't know uh, what what do they call it? The Chinese spirit, the Chinese state spirit, or something like that. Whatever that translation is uh, for for us. Uh, decrying the war crimes and uh and the uh, uh human rights violations in china and how dare i say taiwan is a separate country which it is um not to mention isn't there a genocide going on of islamic people in yeah yeah china the uyghurs yeah, yeah. so uh yeah so uh i guess we're we're just supposed to look past that and instead decry a retweet that contains false anti-semitic statements i mean have they read the uh uh have they read anything by any uh any of these uh political statements that have come out from uh, all sorts of people over the years i don't know it's it it, should we go through every nba player's history and look for anti-semitic tweets what about any white tweets are are Jews white in this case or not? I don't. I forget which one we're supposed to treat them as a minority. And I guess is this mean that Jews are higher in the oppression Olympics? I have a lot of questions, Justin, but, but not a lot. Not a lot of answers. Well, you're not going to get the answers because this is this is all Kyrie being Kyrie. And I, I hesitate to use the word independent thinker because I don't necessarily think he is. But remember, this is a guy people are still mad about because of his comments on vaccines because that was another thing he went against. Right yeah. where he was, I would call him a legitimate vaccine conspiracist, right? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have the stance we had, but because he went against that, they, uh, you know, they're still mad at him and they still dislike him for that. So this is just another example of just bringing things in that are irrelevant. And I don't know, man, it's just seems it's just, where does this end? And I mean that in two ways. Where does this end as far as like, you know, like you said, where are our standards? So where's that? Where's that side of it? But where's the opposite side of it is how do we put an end to doing this? Because on the other hand, isn't there some element of truth that like if someone was a legitimate Nazi, William, would you be okay with him playing professional sports? No. 
And this is this is the difference between someone's statements and someone's behaviors. I can call someone's statements reprehensible and not like them as a player of, in the NBA, and um, you know, hope that he not get not not get uh, that he does not get traded to my team. But there's a difference between pe- what people, the words people say, and what their actual behavior is. Was he doing what we've seen people do in New York City, which is push uh, Jews in front of uh, subway trains and beat them in the back of the head and stuff? Have we seen that? Has he done any of that? Right. I think that's, that's the difference. You know, words are not yeah, no. violence. Words are not violence. Yes. And to see this coming from the Anti-Defamation League and other like sort of watchdog Jewish organizations, they're crossing a line here when they're when they're calling for people's heads in this way, right? And and this is what the woke folks are trying to do as well in cancel culture. I don't like cancel culture on either side of the aisle here, right? This is the mid side. We're we're gonna call it out on both ways or every way, I guess. Yeah. And I and I think you 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 hit it on the head. It's 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 an issue of it's an issue of actions versus words, right? And if you were truly a Nazi, you wouldn't be able to play professional sports because they're integrated. Right, so if you yeah, were yeah, you would you, you'd have to instead of uh, blocking someone, you'd have to stab someone on the court, and I think you'd get uh, kicked out pretty quick. Yeah, and it's the same thing here with Kyrie Irving. Like he wouldn't really, if he really believed those things, he wouldn't be able to to live the life he he lives. And you know, also, I, again, I haven't seen the whole documentary, but it was one part of a larger documentary, and he was just trying to make a point, I think, or even. Even less than that, how many people don't even think about the things they retweet? But for someone like him, he has to think exactly like imagine having to watch an entire documentary before you retweet about it because you, yeah, people are going to yeah. assume you agree everything. I, this is why just just get off social media or only use it very, very sparingly yep. and know exactly what you're posting about. I've, just, I've, I think I used to have this as my bio on Twitter and that 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 retweets and likes were just me remembering to talk about that for something, right? Whether it was on the show yeah. or before I was on the show, it was stuff that, that I thought was interesting. And I wanted to talk to people about, uh, not as in talk on Twitter about it, <laughs> like talk to my friends that are more intellectual about it. So, right. And, you know, imagine you retweeted something you disagreed with because you still yeah, found and it then interesting. Someone's like, and oh, you support, you, <laughs> you support yeah. this crazy thing. It's like, no, this is like, yeah. this is, this is what I want to talk about. This is, this is, I find this interesting. I find, I think this is something that is, that shouldn't go by silently in the culture. And I want to talk about it with my friends. Yeah. And, and what you're talking about is people being unable to see intention and so much is going on with intention right now right with Kyrie this is about intention with Kanye it's about intention and with Dwayne Wade you know former NBA superstar Dwayne Wade and his ex-wife uh, there's a legal battle going on uh, in regards to what she's claiming his intention is now this article was sent to me by my wife and she's like I think this would be good podcast content and, and she's right uh, Dwayne Wade is accused of exploiting transgender daughter for financial gain. So especially, uh, essentially, Dwayne Wade's wife is saying that he is encouraging his daughter to, his 15-year-old daughter, to legally identify as a female uh, via the court because she says once the, the daughter does that, 
then Dwayne Wade has all sorts of deals lined up, like a documentary on Disney Plus and things like that. Now, of course, Dwayne Wade has denied this, but there's a couple of things going on here. First, William, I don't know about you, but I found this article incredibly confusing to read. Because yeah, it was really poorly written. Well, it's poorly written because of the way language is being used nowadays. Like, even look at the headline, right? Dwayne Wade accused of exploiting transgender daughter for financial gain. So I was reading this article, and I was really confused of what the birth gender of this 15-year-old was and what the identified gender of this 15-year-old was. Does that make sense, William, with the, way, yes. Yes. With, with the way we speak about these things? So if you say you identify as female, they have to call you a daughter, even if you were born a male and you present as a male. So it gets very confusing. So I was like, what, what is going on here? So it, it, I was like, transgender daughter, like transgender daughter, that phrase. If you hear that, my initial thought is, oh, so the daughter identifies as male and wants to be a male. But transgender daughter means, I guess, a male who is born a male identifying as female. Or could it mean both? But if it means both, William, isn't that an example of how we've destroyed language? Because the point of language and the point of concepts and labels, which words are labels for concepts, is to identify specific existence in reality so if you can no longer identify those things hasn't the language lost its power yeah yeah i would say it has i'm not I'm, i was trying to look at how are you supposed to say her name zaya I'm trying to look at i'm not even try. pictures <laughs> yeah and this is just uh this kind this story like i i don't want to judge something in individual because i don't know this person right i don't know this family or this situation but i will tell you something in aggregate we are turning what would be just your normal effeminate gay men later in life into trans women and i there's a pattern i see of the more effeminate uh the more uh vulnerable in 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 a psychological sense, and this this uh, this particular case, we're talking about a, a, a child, a son, well, a daughter. We're supposed to say now uh, of divorce. This is these are all. There's a pattern here. <laughs> there's a pattern here, and uh, it's quite unfortunate. It's, it's happening more among women than men, but it is erasing a lot of what would be future gay men. And I'm not saying that this is this is a case. I'm just saying this fits that pattern, and and. So it may not even be the money, although I'm sure the money is part of it. The money is part of it in the sense, Justin, of its societal pressure. There's this tremendous societal pressure. Um, you know, if you're, uh, why just be an effeminate boy when you can be a girl? And 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 there's this promise that through all this mir- miraculous medical and and social support that you will just get to fake reality and be a girl, and there's there's this tremendous pressure and this there's this tremendous psychological um support that's given and i'm not saying that this is in, in all cases at all i'm just saying that that's that's a pattern that we're seeing we see this pattern in 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 the gay world and there's a lot of people pointing it out and i'm not sure i'm not sure i can judge this individual case but it fits the pattern man 
Well, and I'm glad that you brought it up because that was this, this, the other thing that's going on that I wanted to talk about is the societal pressure, right? Because again, I, as you said, the individual case doesn't interest me as much. I don't know what the dynamics of this family yeah. is. Like, I don't know if this was a heated divorce and this is just the ex-wife's way of trying to get money back. I don't know if Dwayne Wade is actually trying to exploit his child, right? I don't know any of these things. I mean, I would assume he has a lot of money, but maybe or it could he just be completely money. unconscious, yeah. right? It's just, you know, being enthusiastic and supporting all this societal pressure that's being felt. Right. And the, and the, and the child could be gay or could not be gay. Right. Because the societal pressure you're talking about, William, remember, I, I'm at a high school every day and I want to yeah. tell you that what you're talking about does not just apply to gay people, does not just apply. Well, let's, to- let's take the heteronormative approach here. <laughs> Is that the new drop? You were, William was teasing me. Ah, I found a spot for it. I found a spot for it. <laughs> well, you had to know it was going to be this this story. Right? <laughs> I but was hoping. He told me he had a new drop for the show for this for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the heteronormative approach here. So okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to become a new thing like 100%. Although, let's make it not because I've noticed I say the 100% thing in my my life. Like if somebody <laughs> says something and I want to make them feel good because I notice people like always say I disagree, especially as a teacher. So when a kid says something That's not true. <laughs> I know, but that's just the perception people have of me. So But do you do it do you do it like in the drop? Do you say my degree from FU? William, my degree from FU says you are 100% correct. <laughs> no, I leave the first part out, but uh, for, okay. if a kid, it's just implied. It's just implied. Right. But uh, a kid will say something they'll go, "Oh yeah, that's 100% correct." And right, so I'm doing podcast <laughs> strategies as I'm teaching. So let's not make nice. the heteronormative approach drop a uh, a thing I do in my normal life. I am going <laughs> to okay. use it here though. Because it, it, it happens to everyone. And I had this conversation with my wife because I'm somebody, William, who I grew up outside of the norm. And what I mean by that is drinking culture. Okay? Drinking culture. There is societal pressure to drink. I'm talking about when you turn on the television, right? When you watch a movie, when you watch a TV show. And look... This is actually where I have sympathy for people who talk about like, you know, gender roles and things like that. I I have I have sympathy for that. If you're a girl and you don't want to wear pink, don't wear pink. If you're a girl and you want to be a tomboy, be a tomboy. We don't have to call you a tomboy. I don't care. Like all all that stuff I agree with. Are there tendencies? Yeah. But I agree with this concept of societal pressure through social norms. And it's the same thing when people drink. Right. If they buy a round of shots, they count the number of people at the table and they assume everyone is going to have a shot. So they buy a shot for everyone. And then when you're like, I don't drink, they don't know what to do with that. And then they have to decide who's going to drink two shots. Right. Or when you're at a party, they hand you a beer as if you're going to have the beer because it's just assumed. And that's the type of societal pressure, William, that's affecting all of these young kids. Because now the societal pressure is to not be a straight white male. Now, that's the extreme, but the pressure is to not be straight. The pressure is to not be white. The, tre- the pressure is to not be any single gender. And, you know, not everyone's on board with all of it. But most kids nowadays, sexuality-wise, are somewhere on a spectrum as self-identifying, they're not just simply straight because no one wants to say they're straight anymore 
because it's assumed that if you're straight, there's something wrong with you because what they've about been super taught it's more complex. Well, well yeah, that's a that's a joke because <laughs> they, they allowed to be was, super straight. Yeah, right. That that was somebody who was like us in high school as far as or was like, let me say, was like me in high school as far as drinking. And where do you think straight edge came from? Straight edge is super straight for drinking. You shouldn't have to declare yourself sober. That's the main way of being. Do you get what I'm saying? Like not putting alcohol in your body is the main way of being. You have to make the choice to put alcohol in. But it's so conceited that you drink that everyone just assumes that you do it. They don't think about it. Well, it's the same thing now for these kids. I'm not going to comment about what's going on with Dwayne Wade's child because I don't know if that child legitimately has the feelings and desires of a a gay person, of a woman. I don't I don't even again, I've said it before on the show. What does it mean to identify as a woman? What does it mean to feel like a woman? Right? I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to feel like a man. I just know I feel like Shania me. Twain knows. And so I think there's a, the the greater thing here is all of these kids are feeling pressure that if you're a high school student and you know you just say oh I'm queer people just look at you better than if you say you're straight you know oh I find both genders attractive oh I find all genders attractive I'm attracted to everyone and there are a lot more William gay people in high school now and I'm actually going to ask you about that. To me, it doesn't make sense that the uh, such a large percentage of the population would be homosexual, because that doesn't yeah. make sense from a <laughs> evolutionary, evolutionary biology. Biology, no, right. not at all. But wouldn't the argument be that all of these people would have existed before if they were made to be comfortable? Now, isn't the argument against my heteronormative perspective that the uh, all of this would have been nor if it had been normalized earlier? I wouldn't say it was strange now. I'm only saying it's strange now because I grew up in a time when everyone was made to feel ashamed and stay in the closet. I think that I think that that time was the late 90s, early 2000s. That's when that time was. And uh, well, my old that man time. in the rocking chair. Uh, that time where the societal pressure was before this time, the, the demarcation line, where in the West, before that time... People would stay in the closet, and after that time, it was the other way around. The pressure there was there was it, I wouldn't say there was pressure to come out, but it was easier to come out. That 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 happened in the mid nineties, I would say, and 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 definitely by the mid two thousands. So that ten year period is when things changed. Right. So we could say the nineties was the pivot point. Let's say that. Like the eighties yeah, yep. is when people were like scared to come out of the closet, and the nineties oh, yeah. is when the, things started yeah, to change. That's when yeah, the early nineties is when you know we had. Uh, the uh, drug deal gone wrong. The the uh, the uh, uh, shepherd uh, yeah. uh, whole situation, and uh, and and the so, so forget the facts of that case. The societal outrage because it was framed as a gay bashing was 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 that seminal the the begin of that turning point. I would say, um, but but just I think another thing can also be true. We do know there's social contagions, right? And and. What all we have to do is look at people's behaviors to really see what's true and what's not. And I think we're, when we look back at this historically, we're going to see that people's behavior re- really didn't change. Right? People can call themselves non-binary all they want, but they're 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 living a certain way, and and that the way is different 
and and hey, more power to you. Live the way that makes you happy. However, like adding all these labels to yourself is just a religious sort of thing. Not, yeah, there's no, you know, like being being gay to me is not something that I have to think about every day or right. or uh, read about in order to to be more gay. Like it's just you know. It's just who I'm attracted to. Right. Well, to, so, to, to use a metaphor, you just said the religion thing. It's the same thing with myself and atheism, right? The reason I'm an atheist yeah. is like, I just don't think about God unless I'm having a conversation like this, where it's a more meta conversation. Otherwise, I don't make any decisions or take any actions based upon God. And this goes back yeah. to, William, what you were saying last story, that it's no longer about actions, it's about right. labels and words. And that's the thing we can't say about Dwayne Wade's child is we don't know what that child's actions are. Likewise, there are plenty of these kids in high school who say they're gay, but then they've only ever been with someone. And when I say been with, they like dated or kissed or whatever. I don't know their level of sexual experience, right? I, I, I don't want to know, which we'll talk about that in two seconds, right? With the next story. They've only ever been with somebody of the opposite gender, yet they call themselves gay. So there's 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 different levels going on here when you're talking about social contagions and the way we look at these things. So let's talk about the next story, which I think would you define this next story as a s example of a social contagion, William? I think so. Well, two things can be right at the same time. This can be a social contagion, and this has some uh, elements of truth in it. What do you think, Justin? I don't know. So, define what you mean by social contagion. In this case, the social contagion is the groomer meme, which is going around. But the kernel of truth is, this teacher has some boundary issues. Let's get into it. Right. Right. So, so you're saying a social contagion is something that is untrue that becomes popularly accepted and changes the way people think. Is that your definition? Yeah. Yeah. Something okay. that goes viral that is, is a persistent thought that people have, whether it's true or not. It did. The connotation is definitely that it's not true. Yeah. But, um, but it, it's, uh, it's not based in fact. So it doesn't matter necessarily if it's true or false. It's just like everyone knows it. Like, right. And, and what you're saying about this being associated with the groomer meme, the idea that the left are groomers and the reason Florida needed the parental rights and education bill is because you know the left is trying to groom all these kids and turn them in, into, into homosexuals and things like that. That's why I searched really hard for another source for this story, because you sent me an article from libs of Libs of TikTok obviously biased, is a, obviously right. biased, but it has it has actual. Uh, listen to me trying to defend libs of TikTok. It has the actual footage. That's why right. I, said I was like, no one else had the actual footage. Right, right. We're not defending this site. Uh, in fact, I would say the opposite. I would attack this site simply because <laughs> they buried the evidence and they buried the point uh, deep in this article, rather than making it easy for me to dig it out. Right? Exactly. Because the headline says private DMs scantily clad students and police meet the trans teachers who has parents alarmed. Right now, the first uh, sentence is then 
Chesapeake High School in Pasadena, Maryland, waited months to suspend a transgender teacher after receiving video evidence of inappropriate behavior. So, William, if the headline is meet the trans teacher, why is everything about what the school district did rather than the teacher? This should be an article about the teacher and it should say, here's the teacher at this high school and here's video we have received about what this teacher is doing. Oh, and by the way, this is what is the, the school district is doing in response. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's yeah. how I would critique this and say it's exactly a social contagion in the way that you're saying, because they're making this about public education, which, by the way, I disagree with. Right. I don't agree with the concept of public education, but that's not what should be going on here. What should be going on here is a discussion of who this teacher is and why this teacher is participating in the behavior this teacher is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And and. It's all the way till the end before you really see the what I'm talking about, which is I think what the point you're trying to make is this teacher has some serious boundary issues. Yes. Like like this is this is a groomer situation, right? This is what groomers do. This is behavior behaviors that groomers employ to do what they do to children. So it is a red flag when you see someone who's trusting in a trust position with children exhibiting these behaviors. Well, right, because I can speak to this directly, William. I can speak to this directly because I am a high school teacher and I am a high school coach. So I am in a similar position to this person. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just want to be clear. I want to be very clear with what I'm saying because I don't want someone to find this episode and try and get me fired by saying I'm the same as this person. Because what I want to do right now is differentiate myself from this behavior because it is very easy to set up an environment and set up a relationship based upon being in this position in which the students have a quote unquote safe space and boundaries are respected. And I have two examples of that. One, I am a coach, so I have to communicate with kids outside of school. I have to communicate with my athletes, but I never communicate with them outside of my role as an authority figure to the point that I am the girls wrestling coach and I wrestle with them. So I want to be clear about that way. I do go on the mat and wrestle with the girls, which some people might say that's crazy. An adult male wrestling with girls. Well, if you want me to treat them as equal, I'm not going to treat them any differently because I don't see them as sexual and I don't see the boys as sexual. But My students, my athletes have told me I act like a father and I've I've had several of them tell me I'm their wrestling dad. So that tells you, William, is that not evidence that I am setting clear boundaries? Yeah. With the way I act towards them, because, again, I act towards them. You're not their friend. Just to be clear, for people who don't have kids or aren't around kids a lot. That's in contrast to how most adults are trying to act around kids these days, which is to be their friend, their buddy, their partner. Right. I, I don't need to be their friend. I have my friends. I talk to you. What, what, do you think I'm going to talk yeah. to like what? What, <laughs> what could the kid look? No offense, children. Right. But be offended. Right. I don't give a fuck if you're offended at this. I actually had a student get I had a student drop my class because she was like, so you're saying you're on a higher level than me. And I said, yes. And then she dropped my class. Right. So be offended, children. But William, if I sit here and I have these discussions to 
to with you. What could a child as an equal present to me of value that yeah. you don't? It would be an exceptionally rare specimen. Right. Exceptionally rare. Right. Exactly. And I will tell students, right, what I will, what I will say, you know, you are more mature than other students at that point to make a point about the level of responsibility they need to take to themselves. Right. Things like that. But I still don't like, they're not like you. They're not like my friends. They're not like my wife. They're not like, you know, Daniel who was on the show before. And that's because when I interact with them, I, I, I treat it as a nurturing relationship where I'm trying to help demonstrate to them how to make wise choices. So it can never be, there can never be a lack of boundaries. There's always going to be those boundaries there. There have to be necessarily just the way it's conceptualized in my head. Likewise, my classroom is a safe space, William. And I don't mean that as safe space in the sense of, uh, you know, what they talk about when they, they talk about we need a safe space against microaggressions and thing, things. My classroom is a safe space from the chaos of the public education system. And what I mean by that is I have kids who will come to my class and say, hey, I have a sub who I can't get along with. Can I sit in here instead of my class with the sub? And I say, "Okay." And you know what they do? They go to the back of the room and they do their work at lunchtime. I have students come into my room because they don't want to be in the cafeteria. And William, I've been in high school cafeterias. I've been in this high school cafeteria. I get why they don't want to be there. So you know what? I let them come in and I tell them, I said, Hey, this classroom is so people can get away from the chaos. If you're bringing the chaos in here, you can leave. And I actually had one girl who doesn't come back anymore because all she started to do is ranting about white privilege the whole time. And I told her, I was like, look around, you're making everybody uncomfortable. If you're going to talk like that, you have to leave this room because we are not going to collectivize people in this room. If you want to have real discussions, that's fine. I have no problem with that. So you can act in this way. There is a legitimate way to act as a mentor, to act as a, a guide for students, to provide them sort of a, like, oasis, right, in the desert, right, a calm in the storm. But what you're talking about when you're saying a groomer is this person is taking advantage of it. And I'm going to say something controversial here, William. Isn't the fact that this is a trans M to F person, right? Male to female person. Isn't that an indicator of this person's particular issues? And yes, I'm psycho, I'm psychologizing, but to me, this demonstrates, and this is something I've said from the beginning of people who do overly, you know, over body modification and, you know, who want to transition and things like that. I've always said this. If you believe there's something so deeply wrong with you that you have to change yourself, that shows there's a fundamental issue. And I found a lot of guys who want to transition to being a woman think it's their easiest way to get women to be attracted to them. And I think this is an example here because not only is he transitioned to a woman, and when I say transition, he just seems to want to present as a woman, but he's also using it as a way to find other vulnerable young people. I shouldn't even say other to find vulnerable young people because young people. And this is the other thing that blows my mind, right? When being in a high school all day, you see just how vulnerable even the self-assured and developed 
and intelligent young people are, that it's yeah. crazy to me that anyone could be like attracted to them in any other way. Like, have you ever met someone that you're like, even your own age, that you're like, oh, that person is technically good looking. And I say technical in the, the scientific sense. But then you talk to them and you're like, psychologically, there is just something about them that makes them so desexualized. Yes. Well, with kids, yes. it's the idea that they're not equals to you, that they're so vulnerable and that there's so much they have to learn that it wouldn't be interesting or valuable to you. But to someone like yeah. this, they see that it's the reversion, right? The inversion. They see that as valuable. They see that as attractive because that's the only person they think will like them because of their I'm deep not, self-hatred. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that, uh, Justin, you're, you're on to something here. And uh, uh, Joshua Slocum um, over at the Disaffected Podcast has gone over this. And uh, I have to preface this by saying I'm not talking about all transgender folks here. Of course, I have to say that. But yes, there is a pathway when we're talking about this social contagion of uh, folks who have cluster B personality disorder. That's narcissism. And that's uh, and, and we talk about it on the show all the time. Um, um, borderline uh, and uh, and um, uh, histrionic. So those three uh, sort of cluster together. People who have cluster B, they have an, an arrested emotional development. And it's usually in that early uh, late adolescent uh, or early adolescent phase, right? So, so I don't know anything about this particular teacher, but it certainly fits the pattern, right? Someone who and this Fuck these that. are the kinds of people Fuck that, that fall fall into Hold that. Hold on, I'm going to interrupt that, you. I'm going to interrupt your fucking disclaimer. I'm going to interrupt right. this teacher. I am confident we have enough evidence to be able to say what you're saying is true of this teacher. All right, and I, I'm telling you that's what the science says. So if we're gonna if we're gonna do what what we're supposed to do which is, you know, follow the science. We've got to follow the science. And that's where the science leads us. Yeah. And in this, what you're saying when you're talking about the science, right? Well, then logically we have to have stricter testing, right? And stricter filtering when we're hiring people to be teachers. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, man, the the hashtag uh, people who put all their uh, mental illnesses on their on their bios actually having to pass a cluster B personality test. Before, like, in other words, they cannot be a sufferer of cluster B. Yeah. Um, in order to be a teacher, whoa, that would be super controversial. But hey, I'm for it. I think that's right. I think that's right. You do not want people who's, who have cluster B personality disorder in a situation where there are people who are emotionally vulnerable, and that would include children. Right. So it's interesting we don't have any sort of test for this kind of stuff, right? I mean, I know the, the, the test for, for me was uh, my references. When when they yeah. uh, when they call my references, so I worked at a tutoring center for years when I was in California, right? I, I don't know if I talked about that on the show before, but I did. So I was around kids for a long time, right? And they called the tutoring center and they said, "Is there any reason you know that you know Justin shouldn't be around children?" And they were like, "No." So that was their way of of testing, right? But as we've seen through you know all of this true crime stuff that comes up, the real bad people are really good at hiding it. So that's and not transgenderism is a great way to hide. It's a great place to hide if you have this kind of personality disorder. Especially um, given the current And that context. changes and before before anyone says that's you're anti-transgender, that changes historically over time. If you go back in time and look at different points in our culture, that place to hide for people changes. Yes. We're just talking currently, the current context. 
the current, current context, current cultural context. Exactly. And, and part of it, when we're talking about the current cultural context, part of it is not just all this social justice stuff. William, it's they're having a difficulty hiring teachers in general because the, yeah. the public education system is so broken that even kids like I had a kid the other day say to me, William, this is a kid sitting in a classroom in high school. Said to me, you know, why didn't you teach college? And I just was like, what do you mean? And he said, well, I just, I couldn't teach high school. I don't know how anyone teaches high school. Like, I, I think it's, you know, and this is now I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, this is absurd. How does anyone teach high school? Right. A kid who's not a senior in high school saying that, how yeah. are adults going to be? And how are you going to hire anyone? Honest to God. And I didn't say this to the kid. And I've said this to other adults, though. Honest to God, the only reason I'm still teaching besides sports, right? But sports helps with this mission is these, these kids need an ally. And I don't mean that in like the, you know, be an ally for the gay community. I mean, these kids, kids need an adult who understands that the system is broken and is doing the best he can to work within the system to, to provide them with the proper direction they need and proper support they need. And I don't care what you believe and I don't care what ideas you're working towards and you're toying with and you're experimenting with, I'm here to provide you an intellectual resource where you can say, Hey, he's going to be honest with me and he's going to be fair with me. And he's not going to, going to bullshit me just to push me through. He's going to help me think. And that's the only reason I still teach because people know how insane it is. Because I think without me, who would these kids have? Because even if we're not going to have as bad as this person is, you know, in, in, in Maryland, right? Even if they're not as bad, a lot of a lot of teachers are immature, William, and a lot of teachers are not that smart, and a lot of teachers are on power trips, and there are varying degrees of issues. So, I think that not just the social justice context, but the public education context contributes to issues like this occurring as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, ready to move on to our final story? Oh man, uh, this one, this one's going to get me fired up too. Well, I think this final story links to this. Yeah, because people participate in certain types of behaviors and ideas, and then they don't want to be held accountable for them. And when we get rid of accountability, we're left with a system where we're just pushing everyone through, and we're just trying to make sure everyone is okay. And then we wonder why everyone has anxiety when there's no real consequences in reality. And I mean, when we talk about that, I mean, doesn't that sound like I just described the pandemic? Yeah. So an article was sent to us. Uh, it's by an economist at Brown University, Emily Oster. It appears in the Atlantic. So I want to be clear. We're talking about Brown University. This is the Ivy League, William. This is supposed to be the the upper echelons of intellectualism in our culture. And we're talking about an economist. So we're not talking about like a soft science. Like this isn't a person in the humanities writing this, right? This is an economist. So this is theoretically somebody who should be more concrete, more bound to reality. And this article was about declaring pandemic amnesty. And I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here from near the end. Okay. The last paragraph says, the standard saying is that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. 
but dwelling on the mistakes of history can lead to a repetitive doom loop as well. Let's acknowledge that we made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty and then try to work together to build back and move forward. So, William, before I even read the next paragraph, um, are we always making complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty? Isn't that the definition of life? Couldn't that be one specific def? Like philosophically, couldn't we say life is making complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty? Yes. I, so, also, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so then how do we ever, if we're not going to hold people to mistakes, right? Uh, dwelling on mistakes. If we don't dwell on mistakes, then how are we ever going to grow and improve? Yeah, I think this is uh, this is a false dichotomy, bro, statement, if I've ever heard one. We're lumping together people making uncertain choices, uh, uh, complex decisions uh, in an uncertain environment with people with the lumping that behavior in with the behavior of complete moral condemnation of people who did make a choice under uncertain conditions, but they made a different choice than you. Right. That is the thing that was evil. That was the thing that, that, that was evil. And, and to ask for amnesty for that is 180 degrees out of phase. I demand Justin reparations. Well, yeah, I mean, at least an apology. I demand reparations. My, my, not only from BLM, I demand reparations because my store was busted up during that. <laughs> I demand reparations for all having the lobby closed. I did the math. My lobby was either closed or reduced due to social distancing for almost two years. Two years. How yeah. many sales is that, Justin? Yeah. Well, and, how and- long did my, my staff and I have to wear masks in the store? 18 months. Yeah. There's still people, still employees that wear masks. They still are falling victim to this, to this, uh, to this thinking, to this moral condemnation. Right. And that's the, William, that's the, 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 the package dealing that you're not even hitting on yet is the idea of it's making equivalent the people who made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty and were wrong and the people who made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty and were right it just so happens in this time the people who were right were condemned for it so there's an extra layer here but we're saying oh if if we were right and we were wrong we're going to treat everybody the same and you know it's saying yeah you know, yeah. oh, well, we're but gonna... then I, I, I cannot separate this out, Justin, from the moral condemnation yeah. aspect, right? No, like, you're that's right. The part that, that's the part that can't be separated out here. That's the part that requires the reparations, right? Yeah. You, you chose to destroy parts of my business and called me immoral for trying to stand up against it, right? Right. And... Look at that, look at that restaurant, the, the Adam Corolla's, uh, uh, went to school with that they just completely shut down. They put a fucking fence around it. Yeah, because they kept trying to open. Yeah. Look, dude, I'm not saying you're wrong. I was just trying to show how bad it is, right? Because yeah. there's a base premise below the moral condemnation, which in itself is horrific. And then you add the moral condemnation towards it, and you want the amnesty. It's like somebody does something wrong, punches you in the face for doing right, and then says, "My bad. Can we have an amnesty for punching you in the face?" It's yeah. like not it's only moral, did you do the wrong thing, but disgusting. you hurt me for do you doing the wrong thing. 
Yeah. And then yeah. here's a clear. So here's the next the next paragraph. We have to put these fights aside. And, and their basic argument here is, you know, this is being used as cultural warfare. Well, William just explained to you why it's being used as cultural warfare. You want to have punched us in the face and then turned around and has to say, no, it's OK. You punched us in the face. So we have to put. I these- mean, I only punched you in the face because I was making complex choices in an in, in ambiguous environment. Justin. And I assumed so, that I was morally superior to you. And I assumed that I was right. And therefore, I was morally superior in that moment. Right. So now let's just forgive it. Amnesty. We'll take the high road. Turn the other cheek. Right. We're not going to reflect and think, well, maybe next time we all don't know. We're just going to look at each other and go, well, you know, we'll see who's right. I think you're right. I think I'm right. We'll see who's right. Like, William, did you ever tell me, did you ever hear me, like, morally look down on someone who took the vaccine? Did we on this show ever say no. anyone who took the vaccine is a bad person? No. No, because that's your choice. I don't think it was a good choice, but that's for you to deal with the consequences, not me. Right? So they're saying we have to put these fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty. But here's the thing, William. I don't think they're using the word amnesty correct. So I'm going to read this paragraph, and then I'm going to read the dictionary definition of amnesty. We can leave out the willing purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice but to make with imperfect knowledge. Okay, as as William said, yeah, fine. But wait, wait, wait. But we know. Hold on. Let's just start really quick example. The misinformation that was spread, for example, by Fauci saying masks don't work, and then masks did work, and then masks don't work. Remember, we went through multiple phases with masks, right? So, so do we get to, do we get to, uh, does like, how does that work? Right? Like who, who, who was spreading misinformation and others were just making tough calls, right? That yes. even that is, is not giving up your perspective of the moral high ground. Yes. Well, even the next sentence, right? Los Angeles County closed its beaches in summer 2020. So they took an example that was, everybody obviously knows this was wrong at this point, right? Anyone with any sense of, you know, any half of a common sense knows this is wrong, but they picked this example because they don't want these people to be held accountable for it. Ex post facto, this makes no more sense than my family's masked hiking trips. Oh, okay. So now we have, I'm going to psychologize here, William. We see this author projecting here that this author is afraid of here. Here's the real problem, William. This author is afraid of being punched back in the face for someone who punched, they punched in the face. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're, what they're, hold on. Hold on. Let's make this concrete. She's trying to avoid justice. Yes. That's why I brought up reparations yes. right away. They're trying to avoid justice here. Right. Reality has, is about to prove these people wrong. Justin, if we live in a healthy cu- culture 10 years from now, which is a big if, we will see some form of reparations. For what's been done. I mean, at the very least in the public school with the way these kids are so far yes. behind now. Yes. Yes. We will see some form of reparations. Yeah. If society is just in 10 years. Yeah. That's a big if. Well, and we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there when we get to the definition of amnesty. So it's, we need to forgive, but we need to learn from our mistakes and then let go. We need to forgive the attacks, too. Because I thought schools should reopen and argue that kids as a group, blah, blah, blah. And I certainly don't need to dissect and rehash that time for the rest of my days because this person picked one thing where they disagreed with the prevailing wisdom to try and show their middle ground. Right. So this entire sentence, this entire paragraph is trying to prove this person's middle ground. So the definition of amnesty, William, an official pardon for people who have been convicted of political offenses. I want to be clear about that, William. We're not saying let's declare a pandemic truce. 
if this article was like, okay, the pandemic's done, let's move forward and start stop attacking each other for the sides we're on and try to figure out what we did wrong and improve from there, I would say, you know what? Okay, it's a truce. But as yep. you said, but the moment you ask, but the moment you ask for amnesty, amnesty. I want justice. Exactly. Correct. I want justice. Well, I want reparations. I, I always want justice. I always want justice. Yeah. But I am willing, I am willing to be more sympathetic towards you. If you go, we're just trying to figure out what happened and how to improve for the future. I'm not going to go as hard on you because you're showing knowledge of the context and some amount of humanity by saying, we're just trying to figure out how to improve for the future. So you're, you, you're, you lived in Florida, uh, Justin, and not California for most of this. Well, I this left. Stuff. So I am left. I'm, I'm, I'm way less sympathetic. You better come begging and saying, I was wrong to violate individual rights. Let's work together. Let's have a truce. I was wrong. I didn't respect individual rights during this pandemic. I uh, called people who were calling for the respect for individual rights to be uh, morally condemned. I apologize. Let's work together. Let's have a truce. Let's work together and figure out how we can avoid this from ever happening again. Okay, now we now we can talk. But if it's anything less than that, no, no, shut up and pay me. Yeah, no, no, I'm on your side, William. I was simply saying my general perspective on the concepts of truce and amnesty. Do you get my point? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's like, if Gavin Newsom came to me and asked for a truce, I'd, I'd, I, I would punch him in the face. I would get arrested. <laughs> you would punch a Nazi? Jesus. <laughs> Justin. You're not, you're not allowed to punch a real Nazi. You can only punch <laughs> fake Nazis. You get my point, though, right? For the normal average person, if they say, hey, let's declare, let's declare truce, let's figure it out. And then I could sit down with that person and have a conversation and the person could figure out what he or she did wrong and the mistakes that were made. I would be more sympathetic and less harsh on the can, the um the reparations or the the punishment I would want to give to that person. Do you understand my logic? Yeah, I think I do. Right. But a person who at the forefront says to me, "Oh, let's declare amnesty." That makes me want to give them amnesty less because they're showing at the front that they know that they fucked up majorly. You only come to the negotiating table and say, well, I just want nobody to be punished. If you know that you did worse because say, Justin, I'm going to get us uh, totally canceled. It's the, it's the abuser. It's the abuser mentality. Yes. When you're the abuser and, and, and the abuser comes back into the relationship and says, you know, things were said, you know, things were done. Let's just put it behind us and move on. That's exactly what it is. Oh, that's a you know what, William? You nailed it. I and I don't I don't think they William, can. My cancel degree you. from FU says you are a hundred percent correct. Yes, that's two in one episode. Two in one episode. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. It is completely that where you're like, what? I don't want to like move on. Like you came in here, you punched me in the face when you were drunk, and now you just want to forget it. Things were said. Things were done. No, yeah. I want you to go into rehab. I want you to yeah. make sure this never happens again. I want you to show exactly. some sort of remorse. You you come in here, you want amnesty to make sure this never happens again? Oh, well, you know, we were dealing with death. You know, we had gone to your mother's funeral. It was a very difficult situation. I want to be clear. Myself and my wife's mothers are both alive. <laughs> and this every, is a hypothetical example. <laughs> every person I've dated, their, their, their mothers have been alive, and I met their mothers, and they were very nice women. Right? I want to be clear about that. So this is completely hypothetical. 
but it's like, oh, you know, because I'm, I'm making this this example, William, because emotionally funerals are very stressful times. So it's yeah. like, you know, we were at a funeral. Everyone was upset. I, I got a little too drunk and, you know, I took out some of my issues on you physically. But mistakes were made. You, you know, you also, you know, you were very cold towards me. And we shouldn't be like that when we're in a relationship. Well, yeah, granted, that's probably true. But let's let's talk about... Um, let's put things in proportion, right? right? The, exactly. Like you said, the only one asking for amnesty is the one that knows that they, they that their desserts are going to be negative. Yes. All right, I think that's a great way to end it. I don't want to belabor this point. I think it Woo. stands very strongly on its own. So that's uh, the best life on the midside in in, uh, in a couple of weeks, and we've had some bangers the last couple of weeks. Yeah, know, we've been doing pretty well recently. So I don't know if that just means things are getting more farcical, or I think I think it may mean William. You know, you said ten years down the line. Not that I want to go political, and I necessarily want to link things to a politician, but I do believe strongly in the uh, Florida as the uh, sort of beacon for hope in America. Right for freedom, Florida in the vanguard, man. Oh man, yeah. You any Jersey Mike's out there? I should, I should be looking. And well, there's plenty of open buildings now. I don't know why more <laughs> people look. I don't know why more people are buying buildings here and opening uh, businesses near Disney. I really don't. Um, but I do think when we see what happens with Ron DeSantis over the 2024 election cycle, I think that will tell us a lot about what sort of hope there is for the future. I truly believe that. Maybe that's just because I'm hopeful. So let's let's talk about some of that hope in regards to art in the hopeful romantic with JML. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. Focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Uh, we had other people who were as upset as William about the pandemic amnesty article. So that was that was an interesting conversation, and I enjoyed reading that. And, and I think that that helps me understand more. Um, so if you want to contribute to that, you want to participate in trailer takedown you want to give us some stories for the week join our discord go to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast click on any episode link and in there is the join link for this week's review william i want to talk about weird the al yankovich story which was a movie that was on the roku channel so i don't like do you have a roku tv william no, I don't. I don't even know how. I, is there a Roku app on my Apple TV? Can I uh, can I go full Inception? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Like how people who don't have, have the see. Roku channel watch yeah. this type of content. I I know I can get the Roku app on my phone, so maybe I can watch it on my phone or my iPad. But I'll, I'll check my Apple TV. Because this is what I'll say about this uh, this movie, William. Hit that that one hundred percent correct drop one more time. William, my degree from FU says you are 100% correct. When you analyze this trailer, trailer takedown, you said this looks like a parody of musical bio pictures. And that's exactly it? what it is. Oh, nice. And it's so well done that a lot of people are saying uh, they're wondering if the things in it are real. 
And like they're Googling like was Weird Al in a relationship with Madonna and things like that. Right. Which obviously he never oh, was. Oh, that's right? great. That's great. Right. And at a certain point, he's sick of making parody songs. So he wants to make real songs. So he releases the song Eat It. And then Michael Jackson releases the song Beat It as a parody of Eat It. So people are wondering which actually came first in real life. What? Such good satire, man. Right. Well, I, I want to be clear. It's not satire. It's parody. So here's my one sentence review on Letterboxd. Okay. As expected, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, lays bare all the tropes in the musical biopic genre. However, its nature as a parody leaves behind a lingering sense of incompleteness. And what I mean by that is when you have satire, there's some broader point to what it's doing. It's trying to say something like you look at South Park, right? You know, I learned something here today or they're trying to you know, point out a flaw or something. Parody is just making jokes about what is. You know, when you think of parody films, think of all like the, the, the scary movies, right? Those are parodies. Now, I would say that this is sort of probably the best version of a parody film because it's done by Weird Al. But it's the same thing with his music. His music is good and it's entertaining, but there's no long term redeeming value or that to any of Weird Al's work. There's nothing that I look back on and I'm like, wow, that's really, you know, philosophically interesting or that's really influential on me. It's just sort of like, oh, yeah, I enjoy this. And it's sort of the same thing with this movie. You get to the end of it and you're like, okay, I mean, I guess that was amusing and entertaining and it was well, well made, but it's nothing I'm going to remember for years in the future. And it's nothing I'm going to think is like an amazing movie. I mean, even the way that it ends, it's sort of, it doesn't have a good ending because it gets to a point where it's hit all the tropes and it's hit all the resolutions it needs to. But because of that, and there's, because there's no real, you know, authentic conflict, there's no real way for it to end besides the way that it ends. And I don't, I don't want to spoil it for people, but you're going to get to the end and the ending is obviously fake, right? It's a contradiction of real life. And you get there and you're like, okay, well, I guess this movie's over. So, look, I enjoyed it, and there's some good stuff in it, but I wouldn't give this a super high rating, and I wouldn't tell you to to run out that you need to see this immediately. But if it was on and you watched it, I wouldn't, like, begrudge you for it. So I give this a nice middle-of-the-road bro rating. It's not amazing. It's not awful. This is just sort of a bro movie. But it's, you know, it's sort of what you get from Weird Al. Some of his parodies are amazing. Some of them aren't. And, you know, the rest of his music is just kind of all right. All right, let's move on to Trailer Takedown. I post the trailers for Trailer Takedown before we record the episodes. I post them in the Discord. Uh, usually it's on Saturdays. That's so if you want to you know, watch them all before we talk about them, you can. If you want to listen to us and then watch them all, you can. Or maybe you can alternate. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. The Santa Clauses is a Disney Plus original series continuation of the Santa Claus trilogy starring Tim Allen. Full disclosure, I was never really into the the Santa Claus trilogies to begin with, although they're an interesting premise. uh, The idea that a normal person becomes Santa Claus in the very literal sense where the magic chooses him and he has to accept the role and then he starts 
physically transforming into Santa Claus. And then he has to see the way that affects his life. And, you know, this storyline makes sense. This is a storyline about he decides he wants to retire, except apparently he's handed the reins to the wrong person and it's destroying Christmas. So he and his family have to figure that out. So I don't even think necessarily this is a bad approach to it. It's sort of a logical approach, but I have two major problems with it. One, this is continuing with the nostalgia based reboots that are fueling or are being fueled by the need for content right now by streamers. And Disney plus has done a lot of this. You know, we have the mighty duck series, which I refuse to watch based on the trailer. Now, I could be wrong about disliking it for that reason, because as we saw with Cobra Kai, I hated that. And I, I, I uh, tackled that. If you remember, I tackled Cobra Kai pretty harshly when at first the trailers came out. So I could be wrong here. But the second thing in my main problem here, William, is this should be a movie, not a series. Why does this need to be dragged out in a series? Do two and a half hours. Do an hour and 45. Why would this plot have to go longer than that? So based upon that, I would not want to invest this amount of time in this plot and story. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, Justin, I was so excited. And I was like, oh, this will be a fun little thing I can put on while I'm, uh, you know, decorating the tree or whatever. And then I saw it was a, 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 a limited series. And I was like, oh, no, because Disney's done this, right? Every single Star Wars thing that should have been a movie, they made into a series because, you know, they realized it's A, it's going to flop and B, they need filler for Disney Plus. So, yeah, I'm going to what I'll do, Justin, uh, we don't have a we don't have a a, a, similar to Netflix and chill. I'm going to wait till someone takes the three part series because I think it's three parts, right? Takes the three part series and, and does a fan edit of putting it into a movie and then I'll watch that instead. I think it's I think it's more I think it's more than um three because it says there's a two episode premiere they wouldn't just burn two episodes and then a week later have one more episode so it's got to be more than three okay okay but you but but my point still stands in, yes. in that case it's it's a tackle tackle second trailer troll is a netflix original movie and it seems to be a kaiju movie for the scandinavian crowd uh, it's just like, you know, with Squid Games, where they had a lot of the dialogue was in Korean with subtitles. It's the same thing here. Um, and I very seriously said what I said about the kaiju thing. Right. They even had the point here, like when we fight nature, nature fights back. Fuck off. Fuck off. Look, I will be I will be positive about this. This is this looks well done. OK, the acting looks good. The production value is good. And, you know, if you want to take the kaiju concept and put it into this, the Scandinavia, this is the way to do it. But I'm not really a fan of kaiju movies to begin with. Um, I don't want to see the inevitable giant troll, giant rock troll fights Godzilla movie. I mean, they set that up in here where they say he's like Godzilla. They even say that in here. Um, and also, as we saw with especially the Jurassic World series... I am so tired of these plot lines of, oh, nature is fighting back by having these giant or evil or destructive animals come after us. It's just, it's, stop creating a fantasy world to try and guilt me into being an environmentalist. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, uh, you know, 
Alex uh, Epstein talks about this all the time, right? He says, uh, nature is not a delicate nurturer. It's, it's, that is, that is a fallacy. Nature is out to get us. The, the world is, is terrible to, at, at supporting us. What you mean like really with a, creating a giant rock troll to kill us? Yeah. So yeah, we could have yeah, just gone that is, way by making it not yeah. nature fighting back, but just nature's trying to kill us like it always does. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I can understand your anger at the premise. Um, I will tell you, though, that uh, I usually like things that have things that blow up and, you know, nice monster fights and things like that. But as good as this looks, I don't know that I can. I, I would rather just watch one of the Japanese versions. Maybe. Does that mean I'm anti-Scandinavian or whatever? So you're a self-hating white person? now? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Because this, so this is, is right across light. the water from Germany, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's a very light tackle. So, tackle final trailer. The swimmers is about two Syrian women who want to be in the Olympics, so they escape and become refugees and train as part of a refugee Olympic team. I think this is based on a true story. William, is this based on a true story? That's what they say. Yeah. Regardless of if it is or not, this is, is it based on a true story, like like the uh, uh, the woman king, or based on a true story, like. You know, Lincoln. <laughs> I was like, wait, Abraham Lincoln, vampire hunter? <laughs> yeah. Well, th- you can contrast those two. Right. Okay. Regardless, right? I don't know the true story. I don't know what actually happened in reality, but this is what a sports movie should be, right? The only small problem I have with this trailer is, right? It's inspirational, right? You want to see them succeed, right? Uh, they use their swimming abilities when the raft is going to sink, when they're trying to go across the water from Syria to Greece, I believe. Uh, so they use their swimming. Like, that works if it's called the swimmers, right? So that's well integrated. The only problem I have with this is where they're like, we have to do this for everyone, right? And I'm so sick nowadays of this idea that when people are succeeding, it's for representational purposes. Why don't you say... And this, people will say to me, why are you being semantic? No, this is not semantic. This is not pedantic. Why don't you say I'm doing this because I want to, and I hope others can draw inspiration from it. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. But if others are inspired by it, you take that as a positive uh, externality. Does that make sense, William? Yeah. 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 So... I hope they don't fuck this up with that angle to it. I hope that's only a small part of it, but I'll probably see because I think this is especially, you know, I'm not even going to Netflix and hug this because it says in theaters. This is something I would give a chance in theaters. Hug. Hug. Yeah, Justin, to add to the point you're making, it in so, so the, the reason that's such a red flag is because in the words of social justice, I, as a non-Syrian, cannot take inspiration from this story. I'm not allowed to, right? Just like you're not, if you're white, you're not supposed to go see Black Panther on opening weekend. You're supposed to buy tickets for black families to go see. Um, Wait, did uh, they black say Panther. that? And you said, yes, yes, it's all over TikTok. It's great. Uh, um, like Black Panther Wakanda Forever is like sold out completely in Disney Springs. I don't think that's only black people going to see it. So I, uh, there are some TikTokers that would be quite upset if you're white and you're in there. Uh, okay. Um, yep. Just keep that in mind. Um, so yeah, all that being said, this movie, uh, despite it, uh, despite it 
social justice saying it's not going to be for me. This is kind of for me. I do like these kinds of sport movies. Um, but I don't know, Justin. That's just a huge red flag. I want. I think I. I'm going to wait till you watch it. So so that means it's going to be Netflix and chill. Uh, maybe. So Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. All right, William. That brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, what did we learn this week? Go ahead. That we can look at um, transgender issues from a heteronormative perspective. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, that you don't know the difference between Netflix and chill and Netflix and hug because you keep using those terms interchangeably. Oh. Which look out, guys on Grinder when William is trying to date you. Oh, that's true. That's true. Wait, did I tackle all the movies? Jeez. No. You, you, didn't oh, you Netflix yeah. and hug the last one? I Netflix and hug the last one. That's yeah. Right. Ooh, thank God. I think I'm probably going to end up watching it on Netflix. I think it comes out the same week as Black Panther, doesn't it? I don't know. I'll have to look. You're not allowed to see it that weekend. I already told you. I'm already going. I, does it count that I have a Filipino <laughs> wife? Does that get me Does that get me in? <laughs> I guess you're supposed to cuck yourself and give your ticket to a black man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with this hypothetical scenario. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As you can see, we could be considered crazy. And if it wasn't for you, our crazy would just seem like, hey, they're just being crazy to themselves. But with you, it seems like we have a purpose for our craziness. So why don't you further support our insanity by uh, you know, going to Patreon or you know, locals, the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash local, or the midside.com slash store, or um, the midside.com slash the cut and buy my book. This is all how we keep the lights on. And since we're being all heteronormative, not only are you going to tell a friend about the show, but you're going to tell a female friend. Because from a heteronormative perspective, that is how you best grow the buzz about something. You have females make TikToks about it, make a TikTok dance about the midside. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Forever Purge. So I almost forgot about that heteronormative uh, drop. I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I was cleaning yesterday and I found the timestamp. I was like, oh, I know what this is. I was going to get a drop. So this almost didn't happen, but I'm glad. I'm glad we got to use it this episode. Not only that, but you use the floor ever purge drop, which is probably <laughs> one of the best drops ever, especially considering the way the elections are going to go. Oh, I can't wait. It's the floor ever purge of Congress. <laughs>